Good morning and happy Easter to you. I want to thank our orchestra and choir and all of you who are part of the bigger choir for making this music so, so special. I want you to, if you would, take that uh, bulletin, that order of worship that you got, and right under the, uh, the title of the message are four texts from Scripture. I'd like you to keep that, your, your order of worship open to those. We're going to come back to them in a few minutes. Easter is such an, <clears throat> such an odd day. Wonderful. <laughs> To be sure, but uh, in some ways rather, rather odd. You know, it's a hard Sunday for pastors. You know that. You know that, right? This is like the the masters of uh, of church when you, you know, larger crowd than normal. And Dan Yeary, one of my friend, late friends, was a pastor. He uh, he said Easter is is like when a lot of people come and kick the tires. You know, when you, know, when you go to kick the tires, if you go to buy a new car or you go and you kick the tires, you look it over. And so I'm, I'm guessing there's some of you who are here kicking the tires. You know, some of you might be wondering about First Baptist. And I, I want you to know what a wonderful church this is. Some of you, some of you may be considering Jesus for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, and, and I don't want to blow that. You know, if you're, if you're kicking the tires, I'm like the, uh, the sales manager, right? And so, I don't, want to, I don't want to blow this. I want you to know what a wonderful church this is, and I want you to know, more importantly, uh, how, how wonderful Jesus is. So, in some ways, this is an odd, odd day for pastors. So, now that you know all that's going on up in here, I, I confess that I don't know what's going on out in, out in there. I do know that behind the smiles and beneath the surface on Easter, sometimes there's a lot of hurt, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, a lot of worry, a lot of brokenness. It's hard for me to know, it's hard for me to assume, it's impossible to assume, it's hard for me to know, well, impossible for me to know what's going on out there. Sometimes I misjudge what's going on behind the smiles and beneath the surface. My most memorable Easter ever was when I misjudged badly what was going on with two men in the congregation. Uh, it was back in the 80s, I was in seminary and um, pastor of a church in Kentucky, there was a, it was not a, not a large building, and over here on this side, there was just the middle aisle and sections here, that, sitting over here right where they always sat was a little girl with her, her uh, mom and her stepdad, they always sat right over there, very faithful. And then over here on this Easter Sunday, uh, when I got up to preach, I realized that the biological dad was sitting right over here, not too far from where the, his little girl and mom and stepdad were sitting. And I thought, well, how, how wonderful that, that they would put aside their differences on, on Easter and they would come and worship together. Well, I had misjudged what was going on in behind the smiles and beneath the surface. Because after church, those two fought like two men in a Chuck Norris movie in the parking lot. I, I don't mean they had a gentleman's disagreement. It was a brawl. I, 
as it turns out, what the stepdad or the biological dad, one said, well, she's going home with me. And I think the biological dad said, she's going home with me. It's Easter. And stepdad said, no, she ain't. And, and um, so I stood there at the door. You know how in country churches, especially, the preacher stands there at the door and shakes hands with everybody. I shook hands. I said, with one eye, I was welcoming people. And with the other eye, I was watching the brawl in the, in the parking lot. My most memorable Easter ever. <laughs> So I don't quite know what's going on. I'd appreciate it, by the way, if you wouldn't fight in the parking lot today. <laughs> but I don't know really what's going on out there with you. I'm, I've been reminded already this morning, though, that beneath the, or behind the smiles and beneath the surface, there's a lot of hurt. Now, if you're not worried about something, let me give you a few things to, let me suggest a few things to worry about. <laughs> like, for example, AI, artificial intelligence, taking your job. Have you been worried about that? A lot of people are. It's in the news. AI, artificial intelligence, can do just about anything. It can run a machine. It can write a report. It can write a paper. It can, it can um, take in and interpret data from space. It can it can see missiles that are headed our way, decide which are most important or, or most dangerous and which should be the first ones taken out. People have suggested that AI can write a sermon. I'm looking into that. They say they can write a sermon. But Are you worried about AI taking your job? A lot of people are. What about the lack of cohesion in our, in our country. A lot of people are talking about the article in the Wall Street Journal, March 27. They do a poll every so often where they ask about American values, and what they found was pretty, pretty discouraging that there, we don't share the values we used to share. We don't share as, as a people the value of patriotism like we used to. We don't share the, a commitment to to community involvement like we used to. We don't share the value of religion like we used to. We don't share the value of hard work like we used to. We don't share uh, even the value of having children like we, like we used to. You know, the only thing that, that came in at a higher value than whatever it was the last time they took the poll was money. That's the only thing we value more than we used to. One commentator suggested that... Uh, that the only thing that binds us together now as Americans is pessimism. If you're not worried about AI or the decline in our American values, uh, maybe, you would, maybe you would be concerned about the lingering effects of COVID. COVID is sort of like a bad flood. You know, when, when the waters of a flood rush into places they ought not be. Eventually, the waters recede. They go back to the creek or the river from whence they came. But they leave behind soggy carpets and mold and sometimes snakes. Well, COVID uh, rushed into our lives a few years ago, and it's, it's largely receded. But COVID left in its wake some real problems real social anxiety, educational problems, people are behind, kid, students are behind. COVID has left in its wake a lot of 
mental illness. A lot of people are struggling because of the the long-term, the lasting impact of, of COVID. Aren't you glad you came to church today, all this, all this good uplifting news? Amen. <laughs> well, thank you, Chuck, for one amen. I appreciate that. But the truth is, behind the smiles and beneath the surface, there's, there's a lot of anxiety and, and hurt, brokenness. So today we're going to talk about hope. You may be in need of a good dose of of Easter hope. Truth is, when we're struggling, things like egg baskets and pastel colors and marshmallow bunnies just just aren't enough. You know, spring's good for us all, but when you're really broken, lilies and just aren't enough. So we're going to talk about hope. I mean real live hope, not Hallmark hope, Easter resurrection hope. So I've got four lessons I think would be important for us for for Easter. Number one, don't call the yard guy until morning. Don't call the yard guy until morning. And here's what I mean. Back in September, Carrie was, my wife Carrie was away, and she called one evening about nine o'clock. I was out in the backyard for some reason, and she called, check in, and uh, I looked around at the yard, and it looked bad, and I said, I said, you need to call the yard guy and tell him to, tell him to come mow. She said, okay, I'll call him. The next morning, uh, I was out walking Gracie the Wonder Dog, and I was headed back toward the house, and Carrie called. She said, I called the yard guy, and he said, ma'am, I came yesterday and mowed, and by that t- about that time, I got in view of our house, and sure enough, the, the yard looked great, neatly mown and beautifully trimmed. I, I said, he, he did come. My bad. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, I looked around at night, and I can't explain why, but I looked around at night, and it looked like things were bad, but with the light of morning, it looked a looked a whole lot better. Don't make decisions when when it's dark. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The night is often long and it's often dark, but morning always comes. That's not to say that that everything's going to be lovely and like we hope in the morning. It's not to say that at all, but it is to say that that it's never a good idea to make decisions when it's dark. Think about the apostles, the disciples, the friends of Jesus. They're, they're, all their hopes had been nailed to a cross. All their dreams had been laying in a tomb. And, and they could have made some bad decisions. They could have decided to scatter. They could have decided to turn on each other and blame each other. They could have decided even to join hands with those who had killed Jesus. They could have decided to incite a violent uh, rebellion but I bet they were glad Sunday morning when, when Jesus walked in alive and everything was more clear. Morning had come and, and they were glad they hadn't made any rash, impulsive, hasty decisions. Don't make rash, impulsive, hasty decisions when it's dark. If it's dark right now, this is not the time to be making decisions. So don't, um, don't call the yard guy until morning. Second lesson is when 
When joy can't make it, hope can. Now, some of you have heard this story before. Please don't groan and moan that somebody next to you hasn't heard it, maybe. So, as we're leaving, in fact, if, if you're new, if you haven't heard this story, and there's some people around saying, he told that story before, tell them, I hadn't heard it, and I liked it, so you help me out there, if you would. <laughs> it's in my top five stories, this one is. A few years ago, it was during Easter, and Joy, Joy waved, so they know I'm telling the truth. And I'm not making this up. Joy Moore sitting right over here. She was our minister to uh, preschoolers. And so, every other Sunday, she would do what we call the children's sermon, like Miss Kristen did a while ago. Well, uh, she was on the schedule to do the children's sermon on Sunday, but on Saturday night, she began to feel ill. And on Sunday morning, she was feeling so badly that she knew she was not going to make it to church to do the children's sermon. So, she called Hope Mackey. Hope uh, is the wife of our minister to students, uh, Jamie Mackey, and she teaches children, and she's very, she's articulate and bright. And so, so Joy called Hope and said, um, I'm not going to make it. Could you do the children's sermon? And Hope later confessed that she was getting ready. She was trying to get uh, Caden's story ready. And she's trying, Jamie was still in the bed. He was sick, by the way. He was, he was sick and he wasn't any help. And so Hope's trying to get everybody ready. And so she's got the phone on speaker and Joy is, dis- is explaining the theme of the day. And so Hope finally says, yes, I'll, I'll do it. And she did, sat right, right down here. We've got a picture of it sitting right down here where, um, with, with all the kids. She did a marvelous job. It was as, as if she'd been planning all week long. Well, that was Sunday. On Friday, Carrie and I, my wife and I, were down in Tuscaloosa. Our, our niece was in a choir concert, but there were several choirs. And quite frankly, my mind w- was wandering pretty significantly during the night. And so I'm over there doodling on the... On the um, program. And, and for some reason, I thought back to Sunday, and I thought, you know, hope, excuse me, joy, joy couldn't make it, but hope could. I thought, that's pretty good. And so, I, <laughs> I actually wrote down on the, uh, in the white space in the program, I wrote, when, when joy can't make it, Hope can. I, I elbowed Carrie and I showed her. She looked at me like, you ought to be paying attention to the, <laughs> to the concert. She didn't appreciate my moment of inspiration, but I liked it. I thought this pretty good. I, I thought when joy can make it, hope can. That, you ought to have that as a, on your refrigerator somewhere when, when joy can't make it, hope can. I mean, that's good stuff. Because there are times when joy just, just can't make it. When the wounds are deep and the pain is fresh and the, the news is devastating. There's no switch to flip and, and just suddenly be joyful. It's unreasonable. It's impossible. But we are Easter people, so even when, for us, when even when joy can't make it, hope can. Even when you can't talk about joy in the present tense, you can talk about it in the future tense because as people who are followers of Jesus, our hope is in, is in the one who can take something really bad and turn it into something really good. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. People, we are people of hope. Who I'm not talking about some fantasy that 
that everything's going to be all right. I, I'm talking, that's, that's wishful thinking, that's not hope. I'm talking about the deep assurance that at the core of who I am, at the core of who I am, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Not some fantasy that everything's going to be all right, but the deep assurance that at the core of who I am, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. That is Easter. That's Easter hope. And when, when joy can't make it, hope can. Don't call the yard God till morning. When joy can't make it, hope can. And then uh, third, I want you to uh, remember that the Easter bunny's cool, but he ain't Jesus. All right? The Easter bunny's cool, but he ain't Jesus. This, I, this is not just some motivational speech I'm giving. I'm not suggesting that that you ought to just have a good attitude. I, I'm not just sending positive vibes to you. I'm talking about Easter. The truth that Jesus was dead, that, that they took his lip and lifeless body from the cross, and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus laid it in, on the cold slab of Joseph's tomb. And they rolled a stone in front of the tomb, and they walked away, and Jesus was as dead as the folks in the back room at Berry Hill and Laughlin. And then, and then on Sunday, he wasn't anymore. When on Sunday, his, his eyelids sprang open, and his heart began as if by a defibrillator, and the breath sp- sprung from his lungs, and, and Jesus was was alive. That, that's hope, and that's better, a whole lot better than the Easter Bunny. Hope, hope has a name, and hope's name is Jesus. On your outline is First Peter, or on your in your bulletin, your program is First Peter one three. God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There. Our hope is not just theoretical. Our hope is in a story. Our hope is in the turning point of history when Jesus was dead and then he was alive. We have a hope. And then 1 Timothy 4.10, we put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Now, it just got complicated. He's the Savior of all people, and especially, so there's a difference, those who, who believe. What does that mean? Well, please hear me. Salvation does not exclude anybody, but it does not include everybody. You with me? Salvation does not exclude anybody, but it does not include everybody because we have a choice. God created everybody. God loves everybody. God provided for everybody. But we decide about this matter of salvation. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that not everybody, but anybody, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have life that never ends, everlasting life. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever would cling to Jesus like a plank after a shipwreck 
would not perish but have everlasting life. Brennan Manning was, a, was an alcoholic who loved Jesus and had an interesting way of describing things. He talked about faith, saying that it's like, it's like in a shipwreck when the vessel is broken and sunk and, and you're floundering in the water and along comes a, a plank, a board, a piece of the boat, and you, and you know that you didn't earn that plank. You didn't, you didn't do anything to earn it. But you grab it and you, and you hug it and you hang on to it. And, all, and when, you're, when you're hanging on to that plank, that, everything that you thought was so important doesn't matter anymore. Those things like a corner office or the, your name on the, on the office door or your 401k and all those things just don't matter anymore. All that matters in that moment is that plank. And so you hold on to it for dear life because, you know, that's the only thing between you and death. And so God so loved the world, he, he gave his only son so that everybody would hold on to Jesus like a plank after a shipwreck, w- would not perish but have everlasting life. I've got war- one more uplifting report, um, message or One more uplifting message for Easter, and that's this. Life is hard, and then you die. (laughs) Y'all may go into motivational speaking, come to think of it. That (laughs) life is hard, and then you die. Barbara Johnson was a deeply devoted Christian, a writer, a speaker. Um, She was... um, she was on a Christian radio program, spent about two hours answering questions from callers. And at the end of their time, the host said, uh, well, Ms. Johnson, it's all, we're almost out of time. Do you have one more, one more word of encouragement for our listeners? And she said, there he is, one more thing I'd like to say, and it's life is hard, and then you die. Well, he was... That's not what he was expecting. He kind of stammered and stuttered and said, well, well maybe Ms. Johnson, maybe you, in the, time, in the time we have left, you could, you could explain why that's encouraging. She said, well, life is hard. And she had experienced a great deal of pain herself. She said, with disease and death and family struggles, life is hard. Uh, but as, as followers of Jesus, it's okay that, that we die. Now, please hear me. She was not glorifying death, and I'm not either. But here's what she said. She said, as followers of Jesus, we do not have a hopeless end. We have an endless hope. That's pretty good, isn't it? We don't have a hopeless end. We have an endless hope. So I, I live with I'm an Easter person, so I live with hope. Not some fantasy that everything's going to be all right. That's wishful thinking. But I live with hope. That's the deep, deep conviction, the deep assurance that no matter what happens, at the core of who I am, by God's grace, I'm going to be okay. I live with that hope. But that's not the only hope I live with. In fact, my hope is not for this life alone. My greatest hope 
lies beyond my last breath. There are two more verses on your program. In John 11, we see Jesus say to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And God inspired Paul to write in Romans 6, if we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When Jesus walked out of the tomb that Sunday morning, he made it possible for those who cling to him like a plank after a shipwreck to live forever. God so passionately loved the world that he gave his one and only son that not everybody, but anybody, whosoever believes in him, clings to him like a plank after a shipwreck, anybody who believes with all his or her heart enough to bet your eternity on Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. It would be unkind of me not to invite you to Jesus. It would be unkind of me not to invite you to that kind of hope. And so I do. Hymn number 217 is the hymn we're going to sing. We sing not just to wrap things up, but we sing to invite you. This is called the invitation hymn. To invite you to a decision, some of our ministers are going to join me down here. We'll welcome you. We'll take care of whatever you need. To be a member of our church, to declare your faith in Jesus, we wait for you while everybody else will be singing. Let's stand, please.